giving you the real from A to Z surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. News, updates, rumors, transactions, takes, and more. So strap up, Cowboys Nation, and start your day off with A to Z Sports. Live with Will Steele. Three, two, one. Here we go! Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We stream it live on YouTube. And of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Steel. Boom! That one was for you, boss. Welcome into the show, people. It is Tuesday. That means the emotional part of Monday is to the side. The Tuesday is about the how. And we're going to jump into the lab and look at not just the the how, but the why. The why and the how of Week 18. And why I think the Cowboys used Week 18 to kind of fine-tune some things for the playoffs. Plus, in a roundup. We got an update on two important starters for the Cowboys. Uh, Good news, good news, all good news, nothing crazy. And uh, then we'll listen to Mike McCarthy talk about his regrets, his regrets. And um, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn pops up. I had to to tweak some things this morning because, you know, Dan Quinn popped up yesterday. But uh, more news came out on Dan Quinn uh, today, this morning. And then obviously, not obviously, but if you didn't catch it, Will McClay uh, popped back up in the news and, you have to remember all the time when the Cowboys have a successful season, or at least the last three years, this is what's going to happen, right? Your, your, your teams are going to try to come after your coordinators and your de facto GM, not really the GM, but he plays a lot of the GM roles here in Dallas in Will McClay. So we'll kind of touch on that a little bit prior to jumping into Sky Optics, prior to jumping into the film room. Very easy show today. Um, I, I'm, we're, look, we're going to get down to business. Because right after after today's show, we're fully turned the page. I'm teasing, obviously, the, the Packer matchup for sure. Uh, but we're, we're going to fully turn the page. And from you know here on out, we're, we're going to dive into the Packers and see every little detail of how to beat those guys and what they do well, what they don't do well. So y'all know how we do during the week. But what's good, Bomb Squad? Bomb Squad! If you missed, if you missed the show yesterday, you just got to run it back. You just got rid of that. Um, all right, look, let's jump into this into this roundup, y'all, and and get some good updates on your Cowboys and hear what Mike McCarthy had to say. When it's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It is time for it's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you, Cowboys Nation. So going into the game on Sunday, obviously we had some players out. Zach Martin with the illness, but, you know, not too concerned about Zach. He should be fine. He did come down with the flu. I mean, the flu can linger. Let's just hope it doesn't, though. Uh, but but doesn't seem like anything is is worrisome about Zach Martin. However... During the game, Stefan Gilmore got hurt, popped his shoulder up out his, his body, right? And they took MRI, and according to all the updates, the MRI shows there is no damage. And Gilmore is all systems go for the playoffs, and that's great to hear. He's going to be wearing a harness uh, or, or what have you on Sunday and be able to play. Gilmore is extremely important, too. I talk about... You know, Hankins being one of your most important defenders out there. But I think Stephon Gilmore is right there. And, um, you know, just got to give kudos to these top three cornerbacks this year. Once Diggs went down, not only did, you know, did they play well. When you go look at the Cowboys past defense statistics throughout the season, they're pretty good. But they stayed healthy, right? Like they toughed it out. All these guys dealt with something. But they toughed it out and they played every single game. So shouts out to the Cowboys corners. 
And uh, Gilmore is a big, important part to this week uh, going up against a young wide receiver unit there. Also, Tyler Smith is, quote, feeling better per Mike McCarthy, and he's expected to practice on Wednesday as a limited participant. We kind of talked about this last week. If this was a do-or-die game, I think Tyler Smith would have played. Uh, they obviously viewed this as not a do-or-die game and that they can go out there and get the victory over the Washington football people without Tyler. Uh, this is obviously now a do-or-die game, and Tyler will 100% be out there. Stephen Jones went on 105.3 The Fan, and he said he expects the offensive line to be at, quote, full force. Shout out to full force. To be at full force. So should expect to see Stephon Gilmore. And we should expect to see the starting offensive line. All systems go. So Mike McCarthy, he's not in for reminiscing about the Green Bay Packers this go round. No, sir. And also Dan Quinn is already on the radar for head coaching opportunities. Let's start with the latter right there. Uh, per Albert Breer and a lot of other people, I think Tom Palacero and all these other reporters are dropping it now. Dan Quinn is expected to take interviews with the Carolina Panthers, the Washington football people, and the Los Angeles Chargers. All teams the Cowboys played this year. <laughs> Go figure, right? All teams that the Cowboys defense whooped on this year. And I guess they won a piece of that, you know? So, and look, I I definitely did not expect Dan Quinn to go, was it three straight years without accepting a head coaching gig? Uh, you know, I know he has some unfinished business, business here in Dallas, and hopefully we don't have to say that after this season, right? Hopefully Dan Quinn can go out in a similar fashion like he did uh, back in Seattle, uh, winning the Super Bowl as a D.C. and then going on to being a head coach. Let's hope that happens. However, the NFL does these interview processes, or or let's not say interview, because I think you have to wait till after the division round, but the inquiries, right? They, they reach out and say, hey, we are interested in interviewing so-and-so. Can we get permission? And and Dan has said, yeah, we can do that. Uh, we'll, we'll look at it, though, when it's time for that, that date to approach. And I believe the, cap, or the NFL pushed it back to the divisional round. Uh, it used to be, hell, right when the season ended. Now it's after the first two weeks of the playoffs, which I appreciate because I remember one year, and it might have been 2021. I can't I can't quite put my finger on it. But I remember one year, either it was Dan Quinn or it was it was another assistant, or maybe it was another team completely, but I feel I feel like they did an interview the same week they were prepping for the playoffs. And look, I get it. There is off time, right? There is there's you're not you're not preparing to do whatever you do in life 24-7. There's, but part of me, a part of me, especially in Dallas, feels like, hey, our focus should be on trying to get six, trying to get somewhere the Cowboys haven't been. So, you know, and it's not just Dallas, any team, really. So I feel like if you're flying out to get an interview during the week of a playoff game, it's kind of weird to me. So I'm glad they pushed it back to pass a divisional round or around a divisional round, whatever it is. At the very least, you didn't get your full attention for your coaches for the first few weeks of the playoffs. So I like that much better. Now on to Mike McCarthy. Of course, when the schedule came out and the Green Bay Packers were the ones to match up with the Cowboys, there's that, oh, this is this is Hollywood writ, written script, right? Green Bay, Mike won the Super Bowl. 2016, Mike comes to AT&T Stadium, the infamous third and 20 play, right? Uh, just, just a lot there, a lot of history. But last year, the Cowboys went to Green Bay. And Mike said, I, I, I regret the approach that I took by addressing the situation at the beginning of the week. Look, I'm not mad at Coach for making it a talking point last year. We're human. It was a special moment. That doesn't happen often, right? Uh, on him facing his former team for the first time, his former quarterback, he won a Super Bowl with that left on bad terms in the place 
that he helped restore that glory too. I'm not mad at him for that. But now, none of that matters if it doesn't help winning according to Coach Mike McCarthy. Here's what he had to say. Because uh, um, last year I thought it was important for me to, to talk about um, you know, uh, Green Bay in the beginning of the week. I did with the team. Uh, I regretted it. Uh, I don't think that's that doesn't even need to come into into our energy base. So um, you live and learn. You know, this game's about our commitment. It doesn't matter who we're playing. It really doesn't. I mean, I, I had no stake. I didn't watch one game prior to the you know yesterday's contest to, in preparation. Uh, so just started last night on the plane, and and that's that, that's where I am, and I think that's clear where our team is. Our, our You're team, not getting no sound. You know, this this is. It's just oh, no time for that, phone. you know. Um, I, I answered the questions honestly in here last year about my experience up there. Um, it just, it will not help us win. So if it doesn't help us win the game, I'm not interested. I apologize. If it does not help us win, I am not interested. I apologize. Coach, you do not have to apologize. You do not have to apologize. We get it. We get it, and, and, and I respect it. Is it obvious? Sure. If it doesn't help you win, that's obvious, right? Is it cliche? Maybe. But I feel like playoff prep, there is no time for the fun stories. I used to go down on on uh, Lombardi Ave and, and get a cheesesteak or something. Like, there's no time for any of that, especially what happened last year going to Green Bay, especially given this is the playoffs. And look, I, I I don't agree with it unless something crazy happens in round one or round two. But it feels like, and, and, and I know Jerry Jones is probably a 105.3 fan addressing it, but it feels like they're, they're, they're lighting the fire under that seat of Mike McCarthy. I'm not saying they're putting the flame on the seat, but they got it ready. So, Maybe last year, week, whatever it was, 12, 13, whatever, you, you can make it a deal because you have tomorrow. There is no tomorrow in the playoffs. There is no tomorrow. And if it's not about playoff prep to win, Mike doesn't really want to talk about it. And I don't blame him. And not just with the media, but with his players, right? And I personally think the playoff prep started last week. I get it. Washington, bad football team. Um that happens. You're going to play bad football teams. You still have to go out there and execute. But again, like I said at the top of the show, I think it's about the how and the playoff prep, not the who. But I'm going to tell you why I think they prepped uh, last week. I'm going to show you a couple plays that, you know, we don't see every week or maybe we haven't seen on the road as much that the Cowboys usually do at home. And we'll look at some of the, the, the ways they drew them up. And, and how I think they put some of this on film in preparation for whoever they have to play. And whoever they had to play, I should say, in the first week of the playoffs. They didn't know who. Now they know it's the Green Bay Packers, and I like the matchup in general. Uh, their, their defense is not good. But you still want to go out there and execute and be be on point and ready to go once the playoffs start. So we'll take a look at that. Um, real quick sidebar, side conversation. Glenn is on the phone, so that's why when Glenn said no sound, you, you won't be able to hear it on the phone, Glenn. I'll get to you in a second. Let me um, let me talk about my sky optics real quick, and then I'll get on the phone lines and, and we'll hit the film. Uh, let's jump into my sky optics. What did I see via the film offensively? Handful of things here, y'all. TJ Bass and Brock Hoffman. We had some fun with them yesterday. The natural disasters. Uh, I I really wanted to focus on Bass. Um, I mean, I focused on all of them, but I wanted to really talk about Bass here because I think Brock loves Brock's energy. Dak loves Brock, Brock's energy. Um, he, he's a guy I think you could keep around next year as kind of a, a swing interior type guy, play some center, play some guard, right? Um, but I don't know that that Brock is... I don't know if Brock is, is, is going to ascend past that. You have to remember he's been in the league, not long, but he's been in. That's not a knock. You don't need everybody's not going to turn into some all pro, all world starter. However, TJ Bass, he's got something to his game. And I was trying to see where TJ improved um, from earlier in the season. 
And one of those things was he was better at the second level. You know, coming into out of preseason, one of the things I noticed is that, you know, TJ Bass gets to the second level. That's not an issue. But it's it's him sticking to the linebacker safety corner, whomever it may be, at the second level, turning them, not missing with his hands and things like that. That was something I said, okay, heading into the season, during the season, if he gets the opportunity, that's one of the things he has to continue to get better at. I thought he improved on that. Yeah, I thought he improved um, in the Washington game. And I also thought he recovered well. And, and I thought I thought he did that a lot this year, period. But, you know, Bass is not a technical savant. He's also not, he's not an overpowering guy, right? But he beats you with this IQ. He 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 does beat, beat you with consistency. But if he misses, I think he does a damn good job at recovering. It's one of the things I noticed there. But I do want to highlight TJ Bass's awareness. Um, that's something that I, f- I grew fond of in the preseason. And I mean, dude does a great job recognizing stunts, uh, does a great job as a help guy, etc. Now, I don't want to sound like a, a hypocrite later on in the show, but there's going to be a play on the show where I'm highlighting Tyron Smith because TJ Bass kind of doesn't get the blitzer, but ignore that. For the most part, TJ Bass has amazing awareness and high football IQ. But this one play I'm going to show later is uh, more so about Ty Rensmith. So I'm going to combine these next two. TP continues to give you tough runs and Hunter Lipke's block. Let me start with TP real quick. We've had the discussion last week about Tony Pollard. He talked about himself, but... Just just for a quick second, if you could just like watch Tony, watch the film and just talk about how he's performed the last few weeks. And really, he's been doing this for, I think, the last two months. But he continues to give you tough runs. He runs hard. Uh, I think he's he's gotten better with the, with his patience with this offensive line that's kind of been up and down. But more importantly, with a line or a scheme in the ground that hasn't given you a lot of daylight, you're going to have to get those tough yards. You're going to have to get the yards after contact. And he's fifth in yards after contact since week nine. He's third since week, uh, in missed tackles forced since week nine. And if you're in the PFF rushing grades, he's third in PFF, PFF rushing grades since week nine. Shouts out to John Oni for dropping those stats there. And the reason why I bring that up is because he's going to need to bring that into the playoffs, whether you're playing at home or not, right? You have to bring that into the playoffs. And I said this yesterday, jokingly, or maybe it was Sunday. Tony Pollard doesn't or didn't have a Tony Pollard this year. Week 18, he did. Right? Rico Dowdle was able to give you, what, 13 touches? Something like that? 12, 13 touches in this game? That's all we've been asking for all season was to get Rico and Tony to work together. That way you have a legitimate one-two punch and and teams have to deal with that situation. So Bass obviously helped with that. And I think Hunter Lipke did as well. Do I have to tweet? I don't have to tweet, but I tweeted this. Yesterday on Hunter Lipke. I said, while I think Lipke is still growing into the blocking aspect of being a fullback, his in-season growth, especially the last few weeks, has been noticeable and commendable. Now, here's where I was wrong. He said, I said he had a season high in run blocking snaps. He had the second most run blocking snaps of the season, the most since week two. And good things usually occurred when he was the lead blocker. I highlighted a few of these plays, and this actually kind of goes into the whole, are we putting some things on film? Are we prepping for the playoffs? Hunter Lipke played 25 snaps. That was a season high. Hunter Lipke had 13 run blocking snaps. That was the second most and the most since week two. And for the most part, The Cowboys were efficient running behind it. 
And like I said, I, I, I drew up some plays because you can see the improvement in Hunter Lipke from week two. If you go look at like the Jets game to this week or the last two weeks. Is it perfect with Hunter Lipke? Not yet. Is it the physical presence of a natural fullback? Not quite yet. Right. Like I don't think he he brings the power behind um, his legs consistently. But he is he's going to give it a hundred ten percent effort and he's still 240 pounds, right? So if he comes in technically sound, he can still turn you. And I thought he did a good job of that in this Washington game. I thought he did a pretty good job of it in the D- Detroit Lions game. And again, you look at the snaps. 13 run blocking snaps, the second most since week two. That could be them prepping. For the playoffs, because they they did a good job running behind it. You know what we didn't see a bunch of? Those corny shotgun, we're going to pull the, the guard and, and think everything is going to be A-OK. You know what we saw more of? Pre-snap motion when there wasn't a Hunter Lipke or, or, or a tight end in the backfield. When they didn't elect to do pre-snap motion, which again, I'm not saying you got to do it every play, but if you're not going to do it, then you need to give your guys a, a some type of an advantage. Well, having a lead blocker, a fullback, does that on those handful of snaps. It happened to be 13 snaps. Now, here's where Hunter Lipke, I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but here's where it can get fun with Hunter Lipke. When you do this, right, 13 times in the game, not saying they ran it 13 times behind them, but... When you do that, you can now play action and hit Hunter Lipke like you saw in Miami. You can hand it off to him on third and one like you saw in Miami. When you use him at the goal line as a blocker, you don't necessarily even have to hand it to him. You can run behind him. So that was something that I noticed. Well, everybody should notice when you watch the the, uh, broadcast. But... I had to go back and look. I said, man, he looked like he played a lot more than he normally played. Blocking at the very least, right? I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job. I thought the Cowboys did a good job running behind him. Um, and I think he's showing improvement. I think he's showing improvement as a blocker. I, I, I don't know if he's if he's quite, uh, what is it, Picard is the, is the kid's name? Uh, and Not a kid, the grown man, I'm sorry. Is the guy's name in Baltimore? But dude is a 300-pound fullback, which I think is insane. Nonetheless, by next year, Hunter Lipke will be stronger, more confident, I think, as a blocker. Again, I don't think he did that a whole lot at North Dakota State. He was really their de facto running back and their tight end and catching the ball at the backfield. He really wasn't lowering the boom consistently. That's going to be his role in the NFL. And we knew out the gate that wasn't going to be something that uh, he was going to be great at. In fact, I was advocating, look, if you're going to put him in there, he's probably better off being a runner. And I didn't think he was a better runner than the guys we had. So uh, it's good to see him grow into being better. Pro Bowl or anything, like, I'm not saying any of that, but just to see that progression, I wonder if they carry that into the playoffs. Now, before I get to the final thing, I'm going uh, to wrap to y'all in the chat and talk to Glenn. Glenn been on hold since we, before we even started the show. Um, good morning, Glenn. How you doing? Hey. Hey, good good morning, Scott. My bad. I had the iPad on mute, multitasking. I didn't realize. No, that's not you. Um, you can't. The way it's set up, whatever I play through the str- through the stream, they you guys can't hear it on the phone. Now, if I play it, you know, on my, you know, you can hear that. If I play it on my my uh, little roadcaster here, you can hear that. So, nonetheless, man, what's up with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I was I was listening on an iPad while being on the phone, but gotcha. I had muted my iPad because I didn't want that echo. Gotcha, My gotcha, bad. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yo, happy New Year. Long time. Haven't spoken to you a while. Um, happy New Year, brother. Got a couple of – yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, just a, uh, two quick – well, one thing I noticed I put in the chat watching when we was watching it live uh, with Law. Um, I, if you, uh, I know you're uh, going to watch the film. I don't know if you saw all of it, but I don't know if it was the drive. Uh, before the half ended or the drive in the third quarter. But I put in the chat um, that Terp is going to start us off um, with the Hall of Fame drive. And Terp had like a 27-yard return. I don't know if it was a 30, but it was a hard return. And I think that was the same drive that um, our, our tight end did the, uh, did the hurdle. Um, 
Oh, that's at the end of the game. So was that in the game? Yeah, okay. That, well, there was a drive yeah. that Turpin started. Um, but it was a, just a nice kickoff return. It gotcha. was a hard run, and I put in. I said, "This is going to be a Hall of Fame drive," and we took it all the way downfield. And I just, I just like that run. But I think he, I think Turp set the tone. But I'm gonna go back and watch. I forget which drive that that was. But um, quick, quick, you said something a week ago, and um, it was I was uh, a little puzzled by it. I'm, I know you probably can't. You know, say everything that 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 goes on behind the scenes, and can mention you know your sources, or whatever. But you kept saying that Rico, Dallas don't uh, trust Rico. Dallas don't trust Rico. And oh. I was like, well, what's going on with Rico? And I know you maybe can't not tell us that, but I was wondering why you were saying that. And then they uh, played him this week, and uh, he was balling out. Well, I can't say for sure if they don't trust him, but I said I probably said something along the lines: it seems like they don't trust him, or clearly because they right. don't give him any tick. I mean, you're talking about one game this year. I think he has over 10 carries, and he has more games this year where he has five or less carries than he has five or more carries. So for whatever reason, yeah. um, they they just don't put him in there. I don't know if it's trust. I don't know if they just don't believe. I don't know what it is. But every time he, he gets at least like nine, ten touches, Rico looks good. Now I just hope they carry yeah. it over to the playoffs. But, no, there's nothing. Okay. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to insinuate that they don't. Somebody told me they don't trust him or anything like that. I'm just giving my opinion on just his usage. You go look at this season. They why aren't they using him? Right. Okay. Okay. I no. I totally agree with that. I was just the the, the way you were saying. It, I was like, hey, what's going on over there? But no, I definitely. Nah, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. I don't want. I don't want. Any, I don't want to put that out. That out there. I I have not been told they don't trust Rico. I just feel like there's something there. Is it trust? Is it? What is it? You know. That's that. That's kind of my case. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I I think it's back to the old Jerry thing. You you pay the guy that you you play the guy that you're paying, and Jerry Jerry keeps falling on that sword. Um, but I think Mike got a little bit more control and like, hey Jerry, we can't you, you can't get into this. You know, play the guys we paying. We got we got to play everybody, and uh, let's get let's get these bulls off the bench and get them in the game. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Hey, 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 have a great New Year. Go Cowboy Nation. Let's yes, do sir. this thing Sunday, four twenty five. Line them up and knock them down. Like Line them up, baby. Line them up and knock them down. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Right. Happy Peace, New Year, bro. Yeah, man, I would I would love the, the tandem to, to do what it does. So let me go over here and look. So, you know, Rico had 12 touches in that game, right? Nine carries. The nine carries is the second most carries he had this year. He had 12 carries twice, once in Philly, once against New York. Other than that, you're talking six Seven, four, three, five, three, five, two, three, five, two, three. I mean, that makes no sense to me in today's game. Even Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears was getting more than two or three carries. So is it the money? Possibly. But but then I say, okay, let's let's look on the other side. Last year, Zeke was the highest paid guy, but Tony Pollard split the carries right so i just just didn't understand i just didn't quite understand it so to see that you know rico only gets double digit carries two times this year two times and and one two three four five six seven eight nine ten times this year he's gotten five or less carries that's making sense to me but uh hopefully we talk about prepping for the playoffs hopefully this is kind of what it looks like i mean because i love to get rico and i know we talk about tp and open field because it's speed or whatnot but but rico kind of gives me the isaiah pacheco light vibes in the open field just runs angry that was one of the first things we one of the things we talked about i said it gives me kind of that marion barber vibe he just runs pissed off and angry all the time um so yeah i would love to to for these guys to kind of split the touches in the postseason because if you go look at the last four postseason games, uh, a handful of those were with TP and Zeke. A handful of those were without TP and Zeke. I think it was Zeke and Morris, maybe. We haven't had an efficient run game, right? At least consistently, at least from a particular running back. But even even Tony, right? 2021, Tony, what, got three carries? Oh, which was absurd. Last year, he gets hurt. Okay, whatever. But you can't give up on a run game. You, you can't just get lazy with it. You had you had Malik Davis there to help Ezekiel Elliott. You, you have motions and things to help 
the the line in Ezekiel Elliott. He didn't do that. I don't want to go into this postseason just being completely one-dimensional. I get it. That's our strength. But I would like to be efficient, and I think more motion. I think using Hunter Lipke at fullback, obviously, um, and using two backs well with that. Definitely this week. I, I, I'm not saying go out there and run the ball 40 times, but you should be efficient on the ground this week. That Packers defense is not, not good on the ground. All right, one more, and then then I'm going to talk about my final Sky Optics and get into the film. What's good, Los? Hey, good morning, Sky. Uh, just two quick pointers, man. I hope you're having a great morning. Thank you, man. It's that time, man. Play, playoff prep, man. Everything matters here. And I, I just got two quick things to say, man, about offensive defense. First, offensively, man. And, to, and I say this in the beginning of the year. Like, if we're going to play playoffs, man, you better incorporate everything you did well this year or this season and do it. Because you got to play with intention, right? Either if you're running to set up the pass, you better run. You know, you better set up some plays that can set up the big passing plays, right? And if you're going to pass, you better set up the run. So basically, the <laughs> offense better play with intention. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there, there's, hey, I'm just saying, man, because there are times, man, in this season where it's like, what are we running just to run or are we just passing just to pass? You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they become stagnant. Like, they don't have a rhythm to themselves, right? And I just feel like if this offense is going in, you know, Dallas, right, and just have that rhythm from the start, like, hey, we, we know what we're going to do to score points. They just have to stop us. Then I feel like we'll be fine. And defensively, I mean, I, got, I respect their wide receivers. You know, Christian Watson, Jalen Reed, you know, they're going to try to use them. But they're going to step – they're definitely going to try to run on us. And if and if something that, you know, has shown that a crack in our armor is that you – there has been times that you've been able to run on us, right? But I feel like if Michael Parsons and them can stop that up front and said Jordan loves to pass every – third down or second down, I think we'll be A-OK, man. I'm not worried about this game, but one thing for sure is we can't look, we can't overlook anybody in playoffs, but I ain't worried. I feel like they'll come prepared and we'll, we'll do it. Indeed, brother. We're going to break all it up. I gotta say. appreciate you, Los. We're going to, we're going to, yeah, yes, that's sir. all I got. Thanks, man. We're going to break it all down this week in, in detail for sure uh, on both sides of the ball. It's a, it's a respectable team, right? Uh, they got some good players. They, they, on both sides, even though the defense isn't all that good, I mean, the guys still got good players offensively. They're, they're playing hot. I, I like Jordan Love. I'm a fan of his. It's funny. He kind of looks like Aaron sometimes in, in how he throws. I'm not saying he's Aaron, but in how he's th- he throws. He's had a good last, like, month of the season. Um, now, he hasn't played this type of defense just yet, and especially at the crib, but it's a it's a quality opponent you're going up against, and we'll, and we'll definitely get into it for sure. Lowe said, hey, man, when you run, you better run. And I'm telling when you get up there to line up the pass, God damn it, we better pass. Bars, Lowe's. God love Lowe's, man. Appreciate you, man. This last one here. Uh, McCarthy setting up for the playoffs. It's kind of the the basis of the show here it's kind of the basis of the show because i was just i was just thinking as i was watching the film and i'm just like man don't don't normally see too much of this by the way before before i move forward here uh when speaking on the hunter lipke thing i ran it ran across some statistics that were interesting uh cowboys out of 22 personnel which is two tight ends two running backs they ran that at the the sixth most uh, highest rate, I should say, and was 10th in EPA per play. The Cowboys do do that. Uh, and then 21 personnel, one tight end, two running backs, hence the fullback. They were 12th highest rate in doing that and ranked 9th in EPA per play. So it works. When you put that, that fullback out there, usually good things happen. So I want to talk about that. But there were two parts of this game, Cowboys Nation, that I think they either look to put some things on film or iron out some kinks heading into the postseason. Yeah, they could have done these things at practice, right? But we know sometimes you got to see how your guys react when the live bullets are flying. 
And those two parts came in the first half of the game where you actually had to go out there, get up and score and win, right? Opening drives and things like that. You had to go out there and put some points on the board. So you couldn't just lollygag around. And then the first possession out of halftime where they talk about, you know, the middle four right end of the half coming out of the half. Those are usually the scripted type plays or the adjustments you make or some of the things you've obviously worked on coming out of the half. And I kind of want to talk about or show some film on both of those situations. So let's go ahead and jump into the film room right quick. And I want to start off down in the red zone where the Cowboys came out, did the pre-snap motion, right? And got Tony Pollard in the backfield. Now I have here running back pick will route ISO. This is this is important to say ISO because the Cowboys don't normally isolate their running back in the passing game, right? Like usually for Dallas. It's going to be something along the lines of our check down or he's a part of our progression, but they're going to isolate him. And this is the first time, the last time they'll do it. And what I mean by that is Ferg is going to run to basically set a pick here. That's just basically what he's going to do. And we want to get Tony Pollard on this wheel. Hey, Professor O, we've been asking for wheels for years. Cowboys still don't do it that at a high rate, but hey, at least they tried it here and it, it worked in a way. And you can tell this is clearly a pick route because look how Ferguson comes off the ball. And then right there, he adjusts to try to set this pick on linebacker. Kudos to the linebacker, by the way. Kudos to the linebacker. He actually gets over top of this and creates a difficult throw. Now, Dak Prescott's job at the snap is to hold this safety. If he can hold this safety, then possibly you're getting an easy deep shot if there's a pick, it's wide open. Good job by the backer. Good ball placement by Dak. Great catch by Tony. And you get a first and goal. Again, how many times did we see that in the regular season? Not a lot. This is the opening drive of the game. You put that on film. Now you're making the Green Bay Packers at this point because you know who your opponent is. Have to prepare for that. But I wish this was something we did more often. So orbit at snap creates second level Leverage. Now, we've done this throughout the season. Not a whole lot. Not as much recently, but heading into the playoffs, you want to put this on film or you want to work on this. So you're going to get the orbit motion from our guy, Kevante Turpin, and I let the play run. And you'll see the second level leverage that it creates for Tyler uh, TJ Bass to get to the second level. Let's go ahead and run it back. And there's a couple of different things here. Number one. Watch what it does to these guys here. Right there. They took that false step this way. And this is going to create Tyler or uh, TJ Bass an easy way to get to the second level and get a hat on a hat. Now, what do we talk about last week when watching the Detroit Lions game? You don't have to be this overpowering offensive line. But you have to be able to get an advantage at the second level, create leverage to make it easier for your offensive line. That's exactly what happens. TJ Bass gets to the second level with ease, and then uh, Tony Pollard just finishes the run. But here's the cool thing about this play about putting it on film. You can do a lot of different things here. So you can either right now pull this out, and you got an easy throw to the orbit man, which is Turpin at this point obviously you'll get a screen or what have you another thing you can do you can fake this and you can have cd lamb do whatever he does here and then right up the scene or right up this the, the boundary there's a lot of different things you can work off of this hell if you really if you really want to get creative you can get kind of a mesh route going on here right the set of pick so there's a lot of different things you can do here. And I feel like you put that on film, you can set yourself up to adjust to it if, a, if the team, the opposing team, uh, sees it. 11 personnel, 88 in the backfield, read option, and then the flood option. Again, we'll get to that at the end where you can do some different things here. So this is 11 personnel. 
But we have, uh, I believe this is uh, Rico Dowdle and C.D. Lamb in the backfield. I love this personally. I absolutely love this because C.D. Lamb has been low-key a good running back for you too. But you can do different things off of this. So we'll let the play run. I love this play, man, a lot. It didn't get a whole lot, you know. I mean, actually it did. But it didn't, you know, go off for some huge run. But again, there's a lot of different things you can do off of this. So let's let it play and see what are those things you can do. So you can fake this pitch or it doesn't even have to be a pitch. And C.D. Lamb can either go to the flat or he can just flat out run a wheel route. Right behind that, you can either send Brandon Cooks on a crosser or you hell, you can send Brandon Cooks up the seam, fake the pitch. And look at all this room Dak has to play action this thing here. Now, obviously, these guys wouldn't be downfield. Uh, they would more so be on the line of scrimmage. And Dak can probably hit a Brandon Cooks or maybe you have two seam routes here, right? And if you run it back a little bit more, you'll see that Ferg can fake this block and he can come here deep over. Vertical flood. So now you kind of got a flood option. There's a lot of different things you can do out of this by just putting it on film. I think Dallas might have ran this play one other time during the season, maybe a handful of times, but I don't quite remember it consistently, right? Don't shy away from profit. That play worked. You don't need to do it seven times against the Washington football people, but if you need to get something, maybe in a rut, roll this out play action fake it or just run this play again i'm pretty sure something good will come from it put that on film plant the seeds for your opponent two by three flat curl read tyron smith and this is the play we're going to look at tyron smith in the in the other uh side of it but this is the play that that tyron smith is just is just awareness is amazing but two by three flat curl read what do you mean by that guys so we're going to have rico dowell run in the flat here and I believe Jake Ferguson is going to run this curl route right here. Ba basic, simple stuff. But it's the read that we're looking at. Dak Prescott obviously looking at this safety here, this cornerback here, and this linebacker here. What are they doing? Because either right now we've got two on three or at the snap, we've got one on or two on one. And that's exactly what happens. Because the safety tries to shift back here, You've got an advantage. You've got two guys in this area on one guy. So clearly, Dak is basically just reading which dude this guy picks up. He takes the corner. I'm sorry. He takes the tight end. And you got Rico Dowdle in the flat wide open. But I want you to take a look at Tyron Smith and just the, just the small nuances that he brings to the game that, that help this team out that won't go into a box score. Uh, first of all, the Washington football people, their line's not great, but here's what they try to do. They're going to shift here to create some numbers on this side, right? If you if you look at it this way, we talk about numbers. I mean, one, two, three, four, five. You know, they want to show a five-on-five -five situation here. But they're going to blitz and take a look at TJ Bass. TJ Bass really should be taking 47. He doesn't. And this is what I mean by Phil's contradictory because TJ Bass has a high football IQ, but he's a rookie. Mistakes are going to happen. But peep Tyron. Peep Tyron Smith real quick. If you look at his initial step, he's stepping out to get 55, but he has his eyes on 47. So 47 blitzes here. Tyron's going to meet him in the hole. And this is how you pick up this type of blitz. The reason why I'm showing this is because Chuma did this when 47 wasn't blitzing. And this was against Miami. He didn't need to do that. And he created on a play action, by the way. You absolutely can't do this. He created an easy lane for the, for the uh, edge defender. Now, you're taught to take the inside defender if they come on a blitz or if, if there's a guy... Uh, that's lined up over across from you and there's a blitz coming on the outside. You let the outside defender free because that is now the quarterback's responsibility. Dak sees that Dak knows that he gets the ball out and you got an easy throw to Rico Dowdle, but just Tyron Smith's awareness, Tyron Smith 
knows, hey, Bass is supposed to get this guy. Probably. Let me say that. I don't know what the what the call was, but I'd imagine Bass was supposed to get 47. He doesn't. Tyron is, is setting, not inside. He's setting to get 55. Realizes right away what happens. Puts 47 in jail. Cuffs. And that's easy for him because that's a linebacker. We're not talking about a defensive end. That's a linebacker. You're not getting through Tyron Smith. If you got one-on-one heads up, squared up, you can forget about it. 12 spread at snap push motion. Creates a four strong look. Dax eyes win here. Now, we usually see this a whole lot at home. Uh, A lot of the push motion. The here we go offense was on display. Uh, So right now, they're not in a four strong look. They're in the two by three reading from left to right. They're in 12 because you got two tight ends down here, Schoonmaker and Ferguson. And this is the cool thing about having guys like Fer who, who can spread out wide. Uh, Schoonmaker is not really a guy that you say is, is like that, but nonetheless, it is what it is. He spread it out wide here. And this doesn't look like a 12 formation, but it is that that gets you to bring in an extra linebacker and you can take advantage of said linebacker. So here's the push motion. And look, these are a couple different things that can happen here. Push motion for CR for Tony Pollard. I'm gonna get a corner out for Brandon Cooks. Kind of a curl route here. And he's really just last option behind it. Y'all know me. I love concepts. Anytime the Cowboys do something like this on film, teams are prepared for a CD Lamb slant. They're prepared for a CD Lamb slant. So watch what Dak does. He's looking over at CD right now. Play is not developed. This is this is why I love the timing of this offense and where Dak has so much control of this offense. If 21 plays outside leverage, maybe you go there. But he's not. He's playing inside leverage. But all the way, what Dak is doing right now is just trying to create room in the middle of the field. He creates that room. Jake Ferguson gets upfield. Here's a better view of it for Dak Prescott and what he does with the eyes and watch what it does to the linebacker. First of all, push motion gets this linebacker to commit this way. Number one, Dak's eyes. Look at his eyes. And look what 57 does. Beautiful. That's quarterbacking, man. That's quarterbacking. And you might say, man, that's easy, right? Everybody's not doing that. I get a young quarterback stare, stare guys down, so, you know, we give them a, a pass. Quarterbacks have been in this league for longer than just two or three years that still don't win with their eyes. And this is these are the things that Aaron Rodgers was talking about. These are the things that Aaron Rodgers was talking about when it came to Dak Prescott and how he's playing the quarterback position. This looks like I'm going to CD Lamb on this slant. He sells it so perfectly. There's no hesitation. When he comes right back to Jake Ferguson, you knew the whole way, the whole entire way, this is going to Jake. No hesitation. Boom. Get upfield. Usually we see these type of things at the crib. You don't really see them on the road. Granted, this was kind of a, a, a home game on the road. So I feel like they were fine-tuning this offense heading into the playoffs. And that drive right there, the drive with Rico Dowdle getting the, the, the catch out the backfield, that's too, in my opinion, deliberate uh, plays, ISO plays, whatever you want to call it, to the running back out the backfield, and then this play to uh, this play to Jake Ferguson. That was the first drive out of halftime. So you're that's where you kind of see your first fifteen, right? Uh, beginning of the game and out of halftime, and then after that, if you go really and watch, clearly the, the game is over at this point. But if you go watch, they're just now just saying, let's get up out of here. Basic plays. We don't need to tweak anything else. We don't need to fine tune nothing. Let's run the rock. Let's get up out of here. But if you watch that, those first three to four possessions, and then that, that which I think includes a possession out of half, these guys were, in my opinion, were trying to prepare themselves for next week. Um, and I think they did a good job. I know we got the tipped interception, but I feel like Hoffman was being held, and they should have called that. They didn't call that, but am I surprised? No, I'm not. But a lot of these plays that I just showed you guys are plays that if you put them on film right now, the Packers have, they have to, they have to go look at it and have to say, okay, this is how we prepare for it. 
But within that play, in the framework of it, are about two or three different things you can do that counter it. So kudos to McCarthy for doing, in my opinion, the exact opposite of what the Cowboys did last year. But what do you mean what the Cowboys did last year? By the way, if you want to call in, you can. 351-999-3787. Last year, at the end of the season against Washington, I get it. Two different teams. Washington's defense was better. This defense is not. But again, it's not the who, it's the how. I feel like last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we all talked about this. When we went to Washington, we were looking at the offense, and we was like, the hell is this? They played bad, but I'm talking about the how. The hell is this? And all we kept saying is, hey, man, they, they saving the plays for the playoffs. All jokes aside, they kind of were. But in this offense, you don't necessarily need to save. We did that saving shit. We did the saving stuff the first four or five weeks of the season. Did us no good. So I think McCarthy used week 18 to prep. As opposed to Kellen using week 18. Hey, let's just get the heck up out of here. Let's get up out of here. Get to the playoffs and figure it out. The way the Cowboys offense have been playing the previous three weeks. I don't think was enough to just go in there and say, hey, man, let's just roll out the vanilla game plan preseason and just kind of get up out of here. I think you need it for two different reasons. For you to just get back on track. Right. And also for your opponent to see these things. So that's why I think McCarthy was dribbling with the purpose in week 18 to prep for the Green Bay Packers. Now, again, the Packers defense isn't great, but it's one game thing. You you, you obviously take every opponent serious and whatever advantage you can get, whether it's a good defense or bad defense, you, you do. You take it. And I think that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. <laughs> Jay said, oh, we're saving plays again. Last year, felt like we were saving plays last year. This year, I don't feel like we were uh, we were saving plays. I felt like McCarthy went out there and, and, and did his thing. Toxic, what game was you at, man? What game was you at? So you guys are having a, a conversation in the chat about CD in 2021. What I miss. Y'all be having y'all be having a show within the chat. Y'all be like, man, forget what Scott talking about. We we having a show within the chat. Aaron Jones has been a cowboy killer. He has been a cowboy killer. And that's okay. You know, it it, we get into the playoffs. O and O, clean slate. We'll break them down. And I'm and I'm tempted to to start with that offense tomorrow with uh Okoye. Really tempted to, but I I kind of want to start with our offense against that defense, but we'll see. I got y'all tomorrow. We'll see. Aaron Jones, Quazilla, or not Aaron Jones. You're talking about um you're talking about the other running back. It's Quazilla. Dylan. AJ Dylan. AJ Dylan, a big boy, man. They've got a really good tandem. And this, this is going to be the third week in a row. Miami, Detroit, or I'm sorry, third week out of four, the last four. Uh, the Cowboys are going to see a really good duo. A really good duo, duo between A.J. Dillon and um, Aaron Jones. A little bit of a thunder-lightning type situation. Aaron Jones is a slasher, and A.J. Dillon just hit get downhill, which I feel like a broken record. It's going to be very important to win on the early downs because if you win on the early downs, you got to worry about A.J. Dillon uh, getting an easy two, three yards for a first down. Plus, and now I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I already started a little bit of prep. Plus, the Packers love long developing plays. And our defense loves for you to try these long developing plays. So they want to do the play action. They want to get... their quarterback to drop back Jordan Love to deep in the pocket. Cool. Take a long time. Their short, their short drop back percentage is bottom third in the league. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just excited for this matchup. And I promise, promise you we're gonna break it all down. 
at some point we got to get an AJ Dillon type. Well, that's what I wanted in a in a draft. I thought it was easy, man. It was easy there. It was a lot of these complimentary backs in the draft. They didn't do it. I haven't looked at the the draft class yet for any position. Um, I know in our Illuminati chat, Foots was like, this this draft class not the greatest. Uh, but all right, year two, let's try to go ahead, go out here and get that type. I mean, you had the balance. You had the Thunder Lightning balance. I think that's the. Ain't even gotta be Thunder Lightning in a sense. Just a stable. You gotta have one of those dudes in your stable. You didn't even care to get one. The one dude you tried to, he got suspended and then you cut him. So I'm with you. Now, if we Lose, if we can get if we can get Jordan Love up to 40 pass attempts, that means you shut down the run game and or you're scoring to the point where they gotta throw a lot. I don't think the Packers want to live in a world where Jordan Love is throwing the ball 40 plus times. I do though. I do. Go pick up King Henry. So who was I talking to about this, Mel? I think I brought this up last uh, to Mel. We were talking about the running back situation. Again, this offseason conversation, but I'll bring it to light here. Um, I would definitely go the, he called it the Detroit route, right? Like sign a veteran, tough runner, the thunder aspect runner, and then go out and get the fresh young legs in the draft. I would do that. I'm definitely starting over in the backfield this year. Say it all the time. Running backs are easy. That's the the easiest position to replace in the national football, in my opinion. There's no disrespect to them. That doesn't mean it's not a hard position to play in the, in the league. I'm just saying from a replacement level standpoint, as long as you have the scheme and a an average run blocking unit, you can, most running backs have talent. Now it's about putting them in position to, I mean, go look at the, we talk about, the uh, Niners over the years and look at Miami um, help Green Bay right to play a team that has two guys that weren't first round type picks or you know King Henry 50 million dollar type running backs he's not going to be that right like Derrick Henry's not going to cost you that much in the offseason so you can probably get him for for the low low and uh, still draft you a young running back but getting ahead of herself getting ahead of herself here man getting ahead of herself focus is on the Packers. Focus on the Packers. All right, told y'all, easy show today, man. I really wanted to kind of hammer this point home um, because once we turn this page, we are all in uh, on this Packer prep. It's already actually begun, as you guys can hear, but we're really going to dive into it tomorrow. Uh, me and Okoye will be breaking down the Packers more in depth. And um, Thursday, and actually, I might have a special guest tomorrow, too, on the phones. I'm trying to figure that out right now as we speak but with all this coaching stuff I, I you know going on right now and then yeah I saw that professor O by the way and I forgot to get to will McClay so will McClay um they've been asking I think Washington and who was it Carolina I think Carolina was the other team that is requesting to speak with will McClay and apparently he's turned into a half the fan base is saying he's overrated the other half the fan base obviously is saying he's an important part. I'm on that side. I think Will McClay is important in this organization. I don't call him a general manager like a lot do because general managers have the final say. General managers sign the paychecks, right? Um, I think that part of it goes to Steven. I think the player acquisition part of it is McClay, but McClay just, he throws the alley to Steven and it's up for him to either oop it or say, nah, it's not a good pass. That's why I don't consider him a GM. But this conversation comes up every year where McClay's happy to be here. He's obviously getting played, paid a good amount of money, family aspect. He likes what's going on. I just I just wonder though, right? Like at what point will McClay want to be the guy? Not a guy, a very important guy in this organization. They will keep telling him, right? Like, man, you're so important to us. You're, you, you, we may even regard you as the most important. I ain't going to say it publicly because I am the owner, president, general manager. But you're really important to us. But at what point will Will McClay say, man, look, I want all the say. I don't know. I don't know. 
My, am, am, am I being a bit pessimistic on that one when it comes to Will McClay? I'm not saying he's going to leave because we hear this all the time. But I feel like at some point he's going to say, it's time to go. Let's pack it up. Mel said Washington might throw the bag. And here's the thing about Washington. They hired, uh, and again, now we're getting into NFL talk and not just Cowboys, but they hired, what, general manager or something like that from the Golden State Warriors? A bunch of basketball people in that organization. But it's just for the search. And I think it's the same general manager or whomever it was with the Golden State Warriors that, you know, helped build them to where they are. And, you know, these, these aren't stupid people. Will McClay is a look, I don't know about anybody else's scouts and whatnot, but I think Will McClay is it. Bob Myers, thank you, is a huge, huge piece to this organization. And I think he could be a huge piece elsewhere. Um, whatever organization he goes to, I do think might not be right away. He could help turn that organization around from a, a personnel aspect. No nonsense guy. He knows the ins and outs of the league. He has relationships with these general managers and scouts around the league. And I honestly, again, now we're talking offseason, my bad. This is just me guessing. I don't, I'm saying I heard anything. I think he has he would have a better relationship with the league than the Joneses. That's an obvious one. But I'm talking about Steven. Like when we go out and we're trying to do trades and we're trying to sign guys, there's there's not a single agent player, you know, opposing general manager that has any glowing things to say about Steven Jones. None. I think that'd be different with Will. I think Will would have a different way of viewing it more respect around the league with the agents and the general managers and we know why it's probably that way Stephen Jones they, they, we, we like the low ball we're always trying to win it there's no compromise etc cetera, etc cetera. it's my way or the highway sometimes it works out well at least I should say this year it worked out Stefan Gilmore um Brandon Cooks sometimes it doesn't sometimes not signing a guy also works out but I feel like Will McClay would definitely help an organization for sure. All right. Easy peasy, man. Told y'all. We're not done yet, though. Later on, watch Lombardi Live. Make sure you guys come through. We had our fun Monday, both on this show and on Vacha's show. But now, or as my guy would say, Ric Flair, now it's time to get down to business it's time to get down to business cowboys nation is here playoffs are here um y'all saw the whiteout I was talking to professor o about this not a fan of it don't like the whiteout aspect this isn't college you know penn state whiteout is crazy because it's 99 percent a whiteout because it's literally nobody's traveling you know what i mean to, to, to go it's not happening You'll get fans in there. You'll yeah, sprinkle in there. But it is 99% going to be a white eye. It's a Penn State. Dallas. It's not going to be 99% white. I'm not saying Green Bay going to take it over. But just white just brings out the opposing team's colors. And in the NFL, if you are a fan, right? First of all, you're paying crazy tickets to get there. What if you got a blue? What if you got a blue jersey? Not everybody has a Micah Parsons icy white jersey or just a regular Des Bryant white jersey. They might have blue. They might have the navies. They might have a blue hoodie. They might have a gray sweatshirt or something. So now you got to go out and spend money to get a white t-shirt, a white hoodie, a white jersey. What if they can't afford that? And that happens a lot. Don't worry about it, Cowboys Nation. We're going to put towels on the seats. You better off putting a, a white t-shirt on these seats. But I'm going to stop complaining. If you're going to the game, show up, show out. I don't think this is going to be a 2014 San Francisco 49er at Cowboys Stadium situation. You know, that was a the context of that game. Dallas just lost Sean Lee coming off another eight and eight season. The, the, the energy wasn't high. Now we ended up being really good, but that no one thought the Cowboys would be that good 
to start the season. And then the same game, I think Dez got put on a cross. Y'all remember that? He got Tony put him out to dry. And we lost the game and it just didn't feel like it was going to be our season. This is different. You know, Dallas is third year in a row they're going to the playoffs. They're scarred. They're pissed off. Fans are the same way, scarred and pissed off. This feels like we're going into the playoffs with a different type of momentum. Remember what I said, 2021, you had one opportunity to go into the playoffs at the end of that year to show your worth against the Cardinals and you failed at home. What happens on your next home game? You failed against a good team. 2022, um, you go on the road, you lose to Washington. Granted, it didn't kill you because you, you won against the Bucks, but you weren't going into the playoffs that way. 2020, you didn't go to playoffs. 2019, you didn't go into the playoffs. You squandered that opportunity losing to the Eagles. 2018, you did go into the playoffs with the victory. Ended up winning again. So I think this is the best. This is the best they've entered the playoffs in in quite some time. Probably since 2014. Being honest, maybe 2016. Even though they lost to the Eagles at the end, but it didn't really matter. So I like the Cowboys' chances or Cowboy fans' chances of getting there, showing up and showing out, and not letting the sea of green or or, or yellow take over. They're gonna be there. Green Bay fans are going to be there. That's one of those, like, big four fan bases, right? Green Bay, Pittsburgh, uh, Dallas, and, and you know, Kansas City, whatever. And one of those other fan bases, Seattle. But they'll be there. But I got confidence in y'all. I got confidence in y'all. I really want to go. But duty calls, man. Duty calls. Let me hit this button. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. I hope not toxic. Please no. Make sure y'all tune in later. Me and Vosh live on the Vosh Lombardi live show. Mo will be back on A to Z Sports Primetime. Check them out also on A to Z Sports Dallas.com. Love y'all. Be out of here. Peace.